Welcome to Turning Point Madison County, a podcast focusing on the betterment of Madison County and beyond. We're excited today for a lot of reasons because we get to start where we began. Uh, we have special guests on the podcast and we are calling in down to Florida from Indiana, Madison County. And Rick and Karen Zachary are our founders. And we're also here with, go ahead and introduce yourself. Jason Howard. Jason Howard, our executive director, day-to-day operations in uh, downtown Anderson with Turning Point Madison County. You can always find us at turningpointmadisoncounty.org or we're at 601 Meridian Street. We're here with a mission, a purpose, and an outreach. So our podcast goal here is to clarify what we do, what we're about. And this is probably the absolute best guest we could have. Uh, Rick and Karen, first of all, we're glad that you're doing okay down there post-hurricane in Florida. How'd that go for you, and and what's going on down there? Give us a word picture of the recovery after Ian. Well, good after good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, I just want to say that you left out the big dog there that's running the show. So uh, <laughs> I want to throw up our hands up to Eric because Eric does a lot for us, also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to have <laughs> Eric, who's the blender. He blends everything together, and he's behind the scenes on so much, but he does need to stand out. Eric Foley does a great job for us and is a fantastic partner in what we do. Yes, so, he does. Thanks so, so much. Yeah, th- thanks. I'm going to let Karen kind of fill you in. She's um, We've been driving around quite a bit after the hurricane. We sat through the hurricane, which was really an experience. It was really fun. Um, <laughs> no, no 150 mile an hour winds and our glass sliding doors, uh, you know, just kind of breathe. They were breathing on their own and we, we were afraid they were going to come off the tracks, but they didn't. And, uh, you know, we we were lucky. We were fortunate. Uh, not everybody down here is as fortunate as we were. But I'll let Karen kind of fill you in on the trip we took around town a couple of days ago. Yeah, we you know, I won't spend much time on this because this isn't the purpose of the podcast, but we did, we have driven around the Cape Coral, Fort Myers area is in pretty bad shape, to be pretty honest with you. A lot of people lost everything. Um, hmm. You know, almost all of their belongings have been taken out to the to the curb so that the city can pick that stuff up, but it's going to take weeks uh, for them to get all of that picked up. Um, all of the trees that are down, um, they're having to take sand by truckloads back to the back to the shore to, to restock it because the sand from the coastline came in came inland, and, and it's you'd have to see it to believe it. But thank you for asking about us because we we are the lucky ones. We you know all we see the devastation, but fortunately we are not part of it. So um, life pretty much goes on as normal for us. Yeah. And, our, and our condolences to, you know, there was a lot of, lot of lives lost down here. And, and yeah. you know, we, we were fortunate enough to just kind of watch it out the window. I could not imagine uh, being in a position where your house floods and, or is washed away and, and you, you don't survive that. That's just, just horrible. I couldn't imagine that. So thanks for asking. Yes. Well, thank you for the update. It matters. Uh, you know, I, I'm borrowing a quote in my head. Uh, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And when you look oh, out and yeah. realize you're blessed, you had a long day, you had a full day, but you got a roof and you got lovely people around you. Uh, it, you know, they're the ones that had when your life and everything you have and all your wares are on the curb. 
that's that's a whole different type of life right there. So, that's right. Right. Well, yeah. from all the way from Florida back to where we are at Epicenter, uh, Madison County, county seat, uh, yep. Anderson here, uh, Turning Point, Madison County. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the beginning. The uh, tell us about how we came to be uh, Turning Point, Madison County. Where you were, what was going on, and why we were necessary for the health and betterment of Madison County. Okay, I'll let you start. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, you know, I, first of all, I'm in recovery, long term recovery, um, 32 years plus. Um, so, and I, and I've been active in, in my recovery in AA mainly throughout my 32 years. Uh, so, you know, anybody that's in recovery and, and goes to meetings, um, you get a real good view of what's going on. Not only do you see those that are in recovery, you see those that are struggling in and out of recovery and, you know, some make it, some don't. Um, Karen and I, um, were a couple of the founders of the mental health and addictions coalition back in, I think 2015 kind of brought the community together to, to deal with the issues that, that you guys are still in, still dealing with today. Um, through that, we, um, heard a couple of, of messages that care really was available, but it may not be available today or the next week. If you're trying to get in for an assessment or, um, I can't forget the other term for that, but, um, Anyway, I, we, I felt that was unacceptable that if you're reaching out for recovery, we need to latch on to you right now. Um, you know, we all know too many people that um, if you say, I'll get you help later, that the first thing, you know, a good alcoholic or an addict is going to do is go right back to to uh, the bottle or, or the pills or the needle or what, whatever that may be, whatever your addiction may be. And, and we don't want that. Um, so we felt that we had to make an early intervention and, um, that's how turning point kind of came about. Um, one of the big, um, reasons I did this, uh, is because of my adult son. Um, he was having math issues and I really couldn't find any help for him. I, I thought I knew the players in the game, uh, done a lot of work, uh, in Madison County with the facilities that deal with mental health and addictions, but I couldn't get, I couldn't find him any help. So that was really the uh, catalyst for, for getting us up and running. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and let Karen kind of fill in from there. Well, I came to the uh, mental health and addictions coalition through my employer, which was the Madison County, health department, um, I had pushed for quite a long time for them to put mental health issues on the radar because I felt that that was a huge public health concern. And uh, when Rick and some others, you know, sort of started Madison County Mental Health and Addictions Coalition, I jumped on board as a public health representative um, because I, I could see what was going on in the community uh, firsthand. Plus, I was married to someone who had an alcohol 
uh, addiction who never sought help. And uh, due to complications from that, that cost him his life some years back. So um, I had firsthand experience on the other side of the issues. So anyway, when we got the Mental Health and Addictions Coalition up and running and heard, like he said, from from several sources that it was very hard to get people, uh, you know, when they were ready to get help, mm-hmm. it was hard for them to get into the system. And we, you know, Rick, it was it's really his brainchild as far as, you know, wanting to get somebody help right away and not let anyone fall through the cracks. And that's when we started putting together a, a plan. We wanted a system that someone could enter into and have people walk with that person every day to get them the help that they need. And that's that's what Turning Point Madison County started out as. We were lucky enough to to write for a grant, and, and we were very fortunate to receive it. And uh, although let it be said that even before we knew that the money was going to be granted to us, uh, we were determined to get something up and running regardless. We were going to put something in place that there would at least be a referral system that people could phone in and uh, get help 24-7. So that that was kind of our that was our beginning. That's a great beginning. And uh, Jason Howard, our executive director, what you got over there? Well, number one, you guys laid a great uh, foundation uh, for us to continue into the future with. But my big question is, is because Madison County has changed so much over the years, especially when we had the factories here, Rick, I really want to ask you the question of, because I know you were with GM and with the union when kind of you started with the coalition. um, As you know, we were, GM was kind of phasing out. But what did you guys see in the beginning, Um, especially with the community? Because we had it, it was a different community. I just can't stress that enough. We had the jobs, we had the money, we had the insurance. Um, what were you guys seeing back in the day when this started, especially being a part of the GM community with that vision also? Well, and that, that's, a, that's a great topic in itself right there, Jason. Um, you know, Delco Remy and Guide Lamp, which were our two big empl- General Motors employees in this community, and you know th- those those drove the economics of, of Anderson, Indiana, Ma- and Madison County. Um, if you didn't work there, you you had a family member or somebody that worked there or a friend, and then you know everything tied into General Motors uh, as far as livelihood. It's my opinion, but I think that's a correct opinion. Oh yeah. Um, and the issues that, you know, we've always we've always had a lot of bars in, in Anderson, Indiana. You know, we used to always say there's a bar or a, um, a hair salon on every corner, and I and that's pretty much pretty much the way it was. Um, well, well, and I'm going to stop you there and, and even yeah. compound on that because I grew up in a GM family. And so okay. my father, but I remember growing up back in the day when GM had to put turnstiles in at the front doors because the guys would come clock in, go sit at the bar all day, come back, clock out. And that was, that was their day. Um, so yeah, we did see a lot with those bars, but we also saw less productivity from what I understand. Now I was never in the factories. I was only an outsider essentially as a child watching this, but you know, you saw these things. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, I think I agree with you, but I think it wasn't, that wasn't as big a problem as, as it was made out to be. Not everybody did that, you know, for one thing. And, and right. but the ones that, the ones that did were, were definitely circled and talked about in the community that, hey, they don't do anything. They just go to the bar and drink, which did happen. Believe me, it did happen. Um, but I, I think, you know, the factory life is it's not a good lifestyle. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, even though it paid, if they paid really good. It's just, you know, it just kind of, if it, it was kind of like a city, you know, you, you go hang out with like people and, and uh, the, the people that like to drink and drug, they hang together, they hung together. And, you know, there, there was, uh, it's just the way it was, but there was a big using community within, within that. And, um, you know, when they, the problem, the big problems I think came about when we shut, we lost, you know, those factories, uh, GM shut down parts plants and just went to, uh, built, you know, assembly plants, just putting the trucks and cars together. And we lost a ton of jobs and they've never really came back. Um, so I think a lot of hope um, went out the door with that. And, you know, when the hard times hit, when you don't have any hope of making your life any better, I mean, I'm not saying that's a good time to use, but that's when most people say, you know, just to be honest, screw it. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't have anything. I'm going to try to kill the pain. You know, yeah. uh, I know my life started out as not killing the pain. It was, it was partying and having fun, but you know, eventually just, you know, I had to kill the pain of, of my addiction and you just continue to use and you just go down that rabbit hole and, you know, lot, some of us get out of that rabbit hole. Some of us don't. Right. And, um, it was a great town to use then, but uh, when the when the bad times hit, uh, it, it caused a lot of problems. Well, absolutely, and we see the we see the side effects of it today. I mean, just absolutely. the just the uh, median household income. I mean, when GM yep. was was flourishing back in, we'll just say towards the end there in the in the mid nineties, you know, everybody had this great Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. We had better healthcare facilities that, that really, uh, tended to that. So then when the yep. factories left, not only did our, our medium household incomes, I think we, we dropped over $20,000 from where we were in the nineties to where we are today, yep. but also our healthcare system, because now we didn't have this great commercial insurance product that over, you know, I want to say when I saw the numbers, I think we had 35,000 people in our community working for GM or, you know, an affiliate. And then you add those yep. those family members in, you're looking into the hundred thousands at that point of insured sure. people that now that has truly affected our community. And that truly too lends people into mental health and substance abuse issues because, yep. um, you know, just getting care to a doctor. Um, so... It is a, a major thing that uh, you guys were you uh, you and Karen were really on the uh, forefront many many years ago and saw a lot of things and 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 I've got to say thank you number one because you you really put turning point to where it is right now to almost be the standard bearer in this community to get that help 
uh, for mental health, for substance abuse, for just general problems. Um, you know, seeing people trying to help them just get their IDs so they can get a start to get back on track with their life. So, um, you know, I can't say thank you enough for having that vision to be, you know, to, to set us up to where we are today. Yeah, kudos in a lot of ways and all the lines you stood in and all the conversations that never had you were patient with and then the prayers that went up and the holy sweat, if you want to call it that, of making us more than just uh, frustration into a dream, into a reality, into a 24-7 office. So we love you both dearly. It's not because we're just on the podcast. We're launching that out to you. (laughs) We do love you. If people are out there going, okay, wrap up, what's turning point? We're not done yet. It's just turning point. It's currently we're funded under the Comprehensive Opioid and Stimulant Substance Abuse Program grant. Uh, we're in Anderson, Indiana, doing our best. We have a mission. We have a vision and a purpose. We mentioned something earlier. We didn't state it clearly, but it was weaved into your introductions. I'm to ask you this. It's not a softball. Uh, you don't have to answer it. Do you think anybody goes through addiction alone? Both of you in your introduction talked about how addiction, substance use disorder had touched your life. Do you go through that alone? And and if you do, great. If you don't, how does Turning Point and your vision for what we were supposed to be, how does it impact people going through all by themselves? Or do you actually believe people face addiction alone? Well, it's a family affair. Okay. I don't don't care what anybody says. It is. You know, I'm in recovery have been for a long time and, and I got really discouraged, disgruntled, angry because I could, I could not get, uh, you know, the son, my son, the help that I, I felt he, he was entitled to. Um, so, you know, and, and even going back to my addiction, it affected everybody in my household. It affected my mom and dad, you know, everybody was just so worried about me all the time. And, and, you know, I, my dad would call me up and, and uh, you know, God bless my dad. I lost him last year, but he would always say, your mom's worried about you, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd say, dad, I'm good. I'm all right. But, you know, that that's just showing that they've had a lot of conversations about me. They worried about they'd get that call in the middle of the night that probably I was more of an alcoholic that probably I'd wrecked and killed somebody or killed myself. And. So yeah, it, it it it's a horrible disease for everybody. Not not just the the attic really has the easy the easy part of it because mm-hmm. we just we blow off everybody else and we just go out and use. And uh, let's say that again for a second. The addict really has the easier side. It's the family wrapped around them that bears the burden. Mm-hmm. You mean right? Absolutely. Yeah. See, that's not stated often as you think. The individual in the middle of is often the one, the focal point, but so often the unintended consequence is the family, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Karen can probably speak to that better than I can because she was on the other side. So I'll just let her chime in and kind of give you her side of what went on. Yeah. The, the, the family or loved ones who, whoever that may be often do, suffer more than the addict themselves. Um, The addict is suffering internally. And when I think about you talking about, are they doing this alone? A lot of times in their heads, they are. I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. they do think I'm doing this to myself. So, but I'm not, you know, they don't necessarily see how badly they're affecting everyone else. Um, And unless the family 
gets help, they are pulled up and down that roller coaster with the addict. I mean, and but there are things out there even for families. I mean, there are support groups and things like that, but it takes often takes a long time for families to find those resources. Um, so a lot of times they suffer actually a lot of times more than the addict themselves. Now, when the addict finally gets to the point where they're maybe physically sick or they realize mentally that they're not going to make their life any better, when they come to that realization, then they too are suffering. But a lot of times up to that point, I really, I, with my husband, I didn't see that he was, you know, he appeared at least on the outside to be having a good time and his life was great. And a lot of times, unfortunately, we were also blamed for being the problem. And I think a lot of times that's also the case. So anyway, there are a lot of factors to it. One thing I wanted to mention, though, is that when I was in public health, I, aside from the addiction issues that Madison County had, I often spoke to people or worked with people in the community that addiction wasn't the issue. It was it was mental health without an addiction problem. That was my second was, part. Thank you for stepping into part two. That's awesome. Segue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I now, mean, seriously, a lot of people have mental health issues and they're not addicts. They suffer from depression. They suffer from anxiety. There are a lot of things just in life in general. We are in a fast paced society and a lot of people maybe don't maybe don't have the income that they need to sustain themselves properly. There's just a myriad of issues in society in general that can lead to mental health problems. And that's really what got me started being interested in trying to help the community without the addiction issue being added on. As a matter of fact, the Mental Health and Addictions Coalition started out as the Mental Health Coalition, and right. addictions was added later on because we realized that there, there was a great correlation between the two, but they don't necessarily always exist together. That's well said. So, Jason Howard, executive director, passing it off. Well, and, and, and you hit it on the head. What we do see is you can't treat addictions on their own merit. Uh, you right. know, 90% of the time addiction had started because of mental health and right. people get into that conundrum where they don't know what, you know, which way is up. And, and that's the best way to, to silence those internal demons is to maybe right. go to drugs. But you brought up a fact. I kind of want to back up a little bit when you were talking about, you know, being the spouse of somebody yeah. who was suffering. And it's something I hear a lot of, but now that you've been able to, you know, go through this process and it's time to, you know, look back and reflect, did you find yourself in those moments, maybe being more of an enabler than a helper? I, I'm sure I was an enabler for a long time, most likely. Um, I, I remember times when, um, you know, trying to control the alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. I'd go buy the alcohol and say, okay, this is all you can have. You can't have any more than this, but we can, we can handle it. If you only drink this much, that's crazy. Right. You know, he'd just drink that and just go get more. I mean, it, you know, it took a while and it took my involvement in Al-Anon, that support group to realize I just needed to step away and, and, you know, as they say, you know, pull back from the situation. And unfortunately let, 
my spouse crash and burn all by themselves without dragging us down with it. Right. Now, being the the supporter, being the spouse, you yeah. just hit that because when our support functions, we can crash and burn too. Whether, oh, yeah. And whether, I came close. Yeah. And so walk me through what that was like for you, being somebody who was a spouse, who was supporting, who maybe had some enabling in there. But if you don't reach out for help also, then you get affected just as much. So walk me through what it was like when you say, you know, you almost crashed and burned. What what processes okay. did you go through there? Well, it, it was a matter of... Uh, you know, there were nights when you don't sleep, you know, you, you don't know, I wouldn't know where he was. I wouldn't know if he'd come home alive. I, you know, I would, I would stay up all night worrying about it. And I know that that unfortunately probably transferred to my children too. Um, there were times when um, I just break down in tears and, and, and try to find somebody to call. But after a while, people don't want to hear it anymore. Right. Because it's like, you know, if you're if you're somebody who's a friend of mine and you've heard me go through this long enough, it's, you know, they often adopt the attitude, well, you're bringing this on yourself because you don't have the strength to leave. Right. Or it's not that simple sometimes, especially if children are involved. So it, it's for me, it was going to the Al-Anon meetings and it finally got hammered into my head that this is not my problem. I can't control it. I can't cure it. And so I have to do my own thing and, and just pull away. You can pull back and still love the person and still care about the person, but you can no longer be involved in their problem. And I unfortunately know a lot of people that were never able to separate themselves from an addict like that. So they, they would just continue on. Well, it leads, you know. it leads to such a toxic environment, but that's something that, you know, when we talk about addictions, when we talk about mental health, that's something that the conversation doesn't get brought up a lot about, and that's the people right. that walk through this with them. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, we, we do all these things to help um, our, our addicted community. We do all these things to help those that have the mental health but we never focus on who's that spouse, who's that support group, and right. how do we help them navigate through. So to hear your story, you know, being that firsthand person, that's just amazing to, uh, you know, to see that, that survival. And, and that's what right. it comes down to is just surviving, but then being able to turn it around and, and look back on it and say, okay, to move forward. And then yeah. enter well, in. And I- Go ahead. I was going to say I did. I did find a, a really good psychologist in Anderson, who has dealt with a lot of people in similar situations. And he, if, if it hadn't been for him and Al-Anon combined, along with a few friends that that stuck by and and understood the situation, I, I you know I probably wouldn't have made it. That's good so stuff. There are, there are professionals out there that that know what that situation is like. That's a great tool in the toolbox. You don't go through this yeah. alone. Family goes through it with you, and you right. you might need to be in the crawl, walk, run program. I'm going to leave uh, this into the podcast. We have a helpline. I call it a hope line. Call it what you want. 765-227-2587. You need help 24-7. Let us know. You just got that number wrong there, Well, Marcus. let's say it again then, friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 765-227-2587. 
85. Yeah. I nailed it. So cross that over. That's our hope line. We have people to answer. We, we want you to feel like hope is out there for you. Where are we today? You are our founders, Rick and Karen. We love you very much. We've got partners, strong partners. we got one in the room here. Eric Foley helps us with a lot. He's the wind in our sail. Christian Center, Madison County Sheriff's Department, Brianna's Hope, Anderson Center, Aspire, Jane Paul. We love to collaborate instead of compete. Absolutely. You know, Jason knows that. He sees people off the street that just literally off the curb in here helping. What are your thoughts, Rick and Karen? Jason, join the journey on the strength of collaborations when it comes to building a network of hope in a community. Do you need them? Do you not need them? Well, absolutely you need them. You know, we're not going to do this on our own. You guys haven't done it on your own since you've uh, kind of taken the reins of this organization. Karen and I couldn't do it alone, but there is a lot of pitfalls along the way. A lot of, a lot of people don't want to play in the sandbox with you. They, <laughs> they just don't. Oh, I'm uh, sorry on that, but yeah, that is well so true. said. That's a Zacharyism. We're liking that. <laughs> That's well, right. They don't play well with uh, others, but we just want to keep moving forward. Right. 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 And, and you know, they'll weed themselves out. Um, eventually but it but it's real discouraging I, you know i i came into this thinking okay i think this is a good idea we need this uh and a lot of people agreed with that but yet we had those along the way that just i, I don't know whether it was an ego thing or, or for their organization or whatever i mean it, it really don't matter but it does it does impede well, it impeded my mental capacity to, to deal with some people. Let me put it that way. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for how you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for a uh, factory comment to come out there. <laughs> no, no, you got me on the air, man. Nice. Well, we got what you meant. We got yeah. what you meant. What do you think, uh, Jason? A strength of uh, partnerships, collaborations? Well, you know, in anything you do, you can't go at it alone. And we are doing such a monumental task. Um, when you really break down our mission, it's it's helping, truly just helping those in needs and, and helping them get to a better lifestyle. And so I do want to put this out, especially since I have, we have Rick and Karen on the phone. You know, last year, so the COSIP grant runs from September to September, essentially. So I had to put together the numbers for, you know, what we did through that time frame. And uh, it really is amazing to see that, you know, through our um, hope line, as you call it, we took over 500 calls during that course. Um, now, keep in mind, we only I only track the calls that are over a minute long. Now, if we get into these phone conversations that lasted 45 seconds, we, we tripled those numbers. Mm -hmm. But with that, we also put over 180 people, walked with them and got them into some kind of recovery program. And then we still follow today, you know, if I looked at our numbers, I think we're still following and walking with over 50 people through our peer recovery coaches. So none of this could be done without, you know, the great partnerships, being able to get the word out there, seeing how people, you know, can come on board, lend their services, something as simple as Money Ministries we're excited about in Kojak Fuller. Um, having him come on board and, and assist us in getting education out into the schools, um, Money be, Ministries acronym, let's break it down. Moving Obstacles Now for Every Youth. See, and that's that's amazing. But, you know, we've got to get in and talk to our children. Our children are our future. And so when we get in there and speak to them about, 
changing the stigmas. And and that's a lot of what we've got to do with our partners is is come in and just be somebody that people want to to work with because they know we're able, you know, we're mission focused and we're able to do that. And and truly Rick and Karen, this is this is the vision you guys laid down for us that uh, we're excited moving forward and and just seeing the the accomplishments that we are able to continue through your tutelage and through, you know, all that you've done. So number one, I thank you. Um, I know 180 people, uh, also, you know, faceless people, thank you for stepping up to do and help them get to a positive point in their life. Yeah. Big thanks. Heartfelt thanks, uh, for what you did launching us. The foundation is so important and uh, you're still on the team, even though you're in Florida. We'll call you anytime we want. Just throwing that out there. Sorry to put that in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the podcast. So let's uh, think about uh, everybody collaborating in this conclusion thought. It's not the wrap. Just let's put a toolbox on the table. We've been in this a while. We've loved people in recovery. We understand mental health and families. What tools would you put in a toolbox to help the recovery community? Example, hope. Uh, example, advocacy. Yeah. What were some of the tools you would put in into the toolbox to make for Turning Point's ability to serve people? Throw some out there. Jason, you too. You just a freebie. You get in here. What tools would you throw in? Rick, Karen, what are you thinking? Well, I, I mean, I like what you said about hope and, and advocacy. And and um, to me, the main thing is, is that people have to understand they are not alone. Mm-hmm. So whatever, whatever you guys can do or the people or the groups that we collaborate with to reach out to make sure that anyone in the community feels like they do not have to navigate their problems by themselves, whether it be their own personal issue or the issues of of a family or, you know, a a friend, whoever it is. Um, That too is why collaboration with other groups is so important because you guys can't cover all the aspects of what happens when someone has a mental health or addiction issue because they've got to have a place to live. They need to have a job. They need to have mental health and, and uh, physical and emotional and spiritual support. And, you know, one or two people can't do that. But with that simple phone call, if you can connect them with, the proper individuals to cover all of those different aspects. And that, that's, you know, like you said, wrapping your arms around somebody, that's exactly what's needed. Yeah. I, I agree. And I like what you, what you said, Marcus, I think, you know, as Andy Dufresne said on Shawshank Redemption, you know, hope, hope is a good thing. Right. And I think without hope, it, that is a tough road to walk, man. You, you've got to have, hope you've got to have people on your side and you and there and you gotta you know i hope everybody realizes there is a solution you know there is a solution um we may balk at it we may think it's bs but i think everybody that's in long-term recovery will, will tell you that there there is a solution the, the you know the big book will tell you that too there's mm-hmm. a chapter on that mm-hmm. um but I, you know i i, I you know i can't really as far as the toolbox goes, I think you guys are doing a great job. You, you, you know, we couldn't have picked two better people to run this. And, and I want to throw in Skip Ackerman because Skip was a big part of this yes, when we he got was. going. Yeah. 
and Skip moved on. Uh, Sheriff Mellinger was is is a big part of this. Randy uh, Davis has Randy been a lot Davis. of support. Um, yeah. You know, without this collaboration, you know, we, well, Karen and I first sat down trying to trying to figure this out. It was Karen and I, and, and look what it's grown to. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're all on the same page. We want we we want people to to have hope that they, there's a better life. And uh, I, you know, I just say what you're doing is wonderful. If I think of anything else, get in the toolbox. By God, I'll let you know. But right now, I, I, we're blessed to have you guys. Well, yeah. you know, one thing. Thanks for being frustrated and not just putting it away, Rick. <laughs> because frustration done well brings us to where we are today. We don't need to clean up recovery. It's know, ugly. And I'm glad you just didn't thing, gloss over that. Well, one, Nick. One thing that I think, I'm just going to say this real quick. One thing that I think it all boils down to is, is finding genuine people who genuinely care about others. Well, you know, it, it, it's not just their job; it's that they really care about the human beings that they're trying to help. And, and that's what I was going to say in our toolbox. You got to have trust, mm-hmm. and yep. that's yeah. you know that's the significant thing that we've got to build it, build it quick, and then once we get that trust, we see a lot more. But uh, going back to old Andy, I mean, at the end of the day, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. That's right. And, yeah, and you know, it's and, and that's what we see. And, and just to see the faces of these people light up when when they know somebody's there to walk with them. So, right. you know, right. wrapping up with where we are, I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity just in myself of uh, the you know, just allowing me to be in the position I am, especially as you guys, you know, have, have retired off and now are the, uh, the, the, uh, travelers that you are. Um, but it's, it's been an honor. It's been an honor to get to have a platform that you guys started and to take this platform and, and go into an affected a community such as Madison County and really, you know, do something great. And, and it's always wonderful when, outlying communities other counties are seeing what we're mm. doing off of your guys's foundation and and coming to us and saying hey how can you bring that over here how can you bring what you're doing with your partners into our community and help us clean it up so yeah. you know turning point is going to be something that's great that's growing we are great i don't mean to say that we're we're going to be we are great but we can only get better and uh, our footprint yeah. will expand. And uh, we have you guys to thank for putting that time and patience into this to say, okay, this is needed. And uh, allowing us the privilege and the honor to uh, be in the spots we're in right now to uh, continue moving forward on it. Well said. Well, there. we appreciate what you guys do. We're, we're, we're really proud of what you're doing. I, I, and I don't say that just because Karen and I were the founders or whatever, but we're really proud the way that um, you guys have taken the reins and just really, um, just what you're doing, man. We're, we're, we're really, we're really proud of you guys. And, uh, you know, we, we hope we're, we're always available. Uh, we will be. Um, so reach out to us anytime. We know you will. But, um, man, you're, you guys are godsend. Well, thank you for being a blessing. It's uh, Rick and Karen Zachary, the founders of Turning Point Madison County, with Jason Howard, the executive director, and myself, Marcus Dennis, on the TPMC team. We love you all. Thank you, Rick and Karen, for t- the time today, and thanks for being our founders. Great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks again. 
All right. Bye-bye.